This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. So we are back for our third season. Yay! It is, uh, if you've been listening to the pod, um, you know that we are taking a pivot from what the CW is doing because it's some nonsense over there, uh, at least in terms of our taste. And so we will not be covering Sullivan's Crossing, Spencer Sisters, Son of a Critch, Run the Burbs, something burns? Everyone else, ah, everyone else burns. And a host of other shows that they have coming for the fall or have already started airing on the network. But we're very excited because we're going back, 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 back into the vault to like rediscover some shows, unpack some things about the WB content um, and early CW content that was absolutely perfect, but maybe couldn't live in the TV landscape that it had been born into. But as always, we will have CW news and we're going to kick it off by talking about two shows that we will not be watching. And that is Sullivan's Crossing. <laughs> And the Spencer sisters, because by the time this pod is up, it'll be the week that uh, they premiere, because they premiere on Wednesday, October 4th. First up is Sullivan's Crossing, um, that stars Morgan Cohen as Maggie Sullivan, Chad Michael Murray, yes, that Chad Michael Murray, as Cal Jones, and Scott Patterson of Gilmore Girls fame. And he'll be playing Harry Sullivan, whose nickname is Sully. But the show, the way that they've been marketing it online is the show is basically for the Virgin River Girlies, <laughs> because it's based on the novels by the same author, Robin Carr. And it's about a neurosurgeon who finds herself in legal trouble and returns to her hometown in rural Nova Scotia to reconnect with her strange father, Sully. Doesn't sound like anything that's been on the CW, but they're trying new things. Yeah, it does. It's giving whispers of Heart of Dixie. Ooh, okay. But you're right. The Virgin River connection is very strong. Mm -hmm. Is that where we're leaving that one? I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for those who do enjoy Virgin River, at least this is something that, you know, you won't, isn't behind a paywall. You can just watch it on the CW, enjoy it for what it is. And you can expect a second season because the CW will be helping to produce season two. So it's locked in on the CW. You will not have to worry about cancellations stateside. Presumably, I don't know. They were they were pulling things off air, but doubtful they're going to pull this one out since they actually have money invested in this one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love that uh, journey for everybody who's on it. You know, positivity. I like that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, and then there's the Spencer Sisters, which this one's like a, like a, a mystery drama comedy. Um, where it's so it says when her daughter Dobby unexpectedly returns home, having resigned from her career as a police officer in protest for being overlooked, the famed mystery novelist Victoria Spencer decides to finally pursue her dream of being a private detective. The two women form the Spencer Sisters Detective Agency. It's called that because apparently Victoria is often confused for Darby's sister. So they say. Leah Thompson skincare routine. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> okay. But Leah Thompson plays Victoria Spencer and Stacey Farber plays Darby Spencer. That's interesting. There's a Virgin River connection here too, because Stacey Farber had a recurring role in Virgin River. 
and uh, she, her character leaves season five to move to some city. I can't remember. It's going to bug me now. I wonder if she left to do this. Did not put that together until this very moment. (laughs) So maybe there is some method to the madness. Maybe they said, you know who we need? The Virgin River audience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She like left for a job. It's neither here nor there. I'll figure it out. <laughs> but see, there's a promo plan there if they wanted to do it, where you just put Stacey Farber in a car. She's leaving from some type of small town into the big city. And she's like, ah, finally, I arrived. And it's the Spencer <laughs> sister promo. <laughs> That's what they do. And then last but not least, uh, Crime Nation is coming to the CW in 2024. This is not a scripted television show. It is unscripted. It'll be a true crime series, 10 episodes long, two hours each. From the former ABC News president, James Goldston, this series will follow mysteries, cold cases, and investigations. And these cases will include the Delphi murders, the Lori Vallow Daybell case, the Gabby Petito murder, and the Gilgo Beach murders. It's supposed to be like an answer to 60 minutes and, and 48 hours on the CW. Good luck to them with that. I can kind of like see the vision a little bit. Like they got true crime. They got reality TV. They got the Virgin River stuff. I can see the vision, but it's still so like, it's a puzzle. And I feel like I'm missing a piece. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At this stage, it feels like we shouldn't have to raise our eyebrows at some of the new content that comes. But like this, this one got me. I was like, "Oh, we're still throwing stuff at the wall to see what sex." Oh, and sports. I forgot sports in that list. Oh yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> another one. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just starting to look like a whole random collection of shows that don't necessarily have any identity other than the Virgin River crowd. They have their own little audience there. But aside from that, it just feels like okay, that's on it. Happy for the crime folk, but. On the CW, it's just that's twenty hours of content for anybody that you know yeah. didn't do the math. That's still like mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it is. I mean, if it is on Sundays, I get it. Like, sure, but I'm just. It very much feels like they were looking at like the other broadcast networks, and they were like, "What do they have that we don't have that we need to get immediately?" And they got it, and I'm like years they took years to develop that like we can't just like pivot extremely and also you know what they have that the cw no longer has now except for one franchise they have one franchise one the other networks have a few of them but do they not like uh, and all american because it's older just feels like it's not long for this world so like you have all american all american homecoming that's that's your franchise that's the one that we're investing in and I'm, but you had two, you had one other, you had Walker and Walker Independence. We could have capitalized on the Western movement along with the the sports. And I just don't yeah. see why we hadn't, which I guess this will segue into for the, so we will be back with CW original content come 2024 because we still have Superman and Lois. And that is the show that we cover on this podcast. We are also going to try Joan because Sophie Turner is in it. Mm-hmm. And then everything else, 
we'll look at the promos first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see based on the promos. But that's basically where we are um, when it comes to the CW currently, which is a weird place yeah. to be in. The new CW is giving little sister trying on your clothes when you're not home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's just swimming in that sweater. <laughs> <laughs> put it in the closet (laughs) she might come out with a look she's trying she's trying she might you might come into the room and she has found something she's digging through the drawers god bless her heart (laughs) already run with that metaphor (laughs) it worked it was one of our strongest extended metaphors i think (laughs) (laughs) but in the interim like i was saying at the top of the pod we do have things that we want to delve into. And one of those is Tarzan. Odd choice, but I recommend watching the promo for Tarzan and you'd see the vision. Um, but what also, though, I believe, guys, wasn't this, this just seemed a lot, the stars lined up, right? Because we didn't know the 20th anniversary is October 5th when we chose no, Tarzan. It was, it was meant to be, truly. And for anybody that's like, Tarzan, not the Disney movie, not the Alexander Skarsgård movie, the 2003 WB short-lived, I wouldn't even say classic because we didn't know it existed until about a month ago, <laughs> Tarzan. <laughs> and I have to say, it ate, like the pilot episode it was, was amazing. It was truly something. Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> Just so cozy. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was like... To go back to the sweaters, it was like slipping into a very comfortable sweater. It, it reminded me of the television that we very much enjoyed in the early 2000s. And they don't make TV like this anymore. Don't. They don't. And I'm sad about it. It was TV movie level of perfection in that pilot. Yeah, it was like the perfect amount of cheese. Mm-hmm. The perfect amount of like taking it seriously, but also knowing it's very silly. And I just have to say that when we what in the format we were watching it in, <laughs> seeing the WB logo at the corner of the screen just was like so soul affirming. Mm-hmm. Like I can't explain how much I love that network and its content, and just like exp- even though it was like not HD, not like remastered, like. <laughs> What we see is what we're getting, but just seeing that logo, oh, just made me. It was just like a. I I don't even want to say serotonin because it's not strong enough because it was just so good (laughs) to see that logo. (laughs) It was so nostalgic. I mean, I mean, like if you could personify the early two thousands or the late nineties with an episode of television, I felt like we got all of it in the first five minutes. The overhead city shots, the like fighting the rain with very no dialogue whatsoever. If this was a modern TV show, there would have been dialogue, there would have been epic music. You just heard the raindrops, you just heard every overly ex- a dramatic punch accentuate it. And I mean, like, you're right, they don't make TV like that anymore. I just like, like, like Reed said, first five minutes in it, you just instantly felt thrown back to an, an era you grew up with. And like this like hidden gem we didn't even know existed. I was like, I would absolutely have been watching this if I knew it was on TV back then. No. So the opening though, I did, I laughed because I forgot that they used to cut um, scenes together like that. Like that extended 
for whatever reason, it's the extended shot over the city, and it's like cut, 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 <laughs> where you get to the um to the rooftop fight, and I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm eating it up. Like it's just, I love seeing being reminded of that that style of camera work that they used to do, or like when to move further into the plot when you meet Jane, and there was a particular way that they used to have cops talk on television and hearing that in my ear again I was like oh my god it's like watching an old episode of Law and Order it's like because they just there's just this cadence they have to their voice and I don't know if that's like a I don't know what if it, there was a word for it back then for um, the type of dialogue that they would give them but it felt warm and cozy and very much like not crime noir but it just um I moved out a clip and they all had mm-hmm. very distinct personalities and love it or hate it, those were who those people are going to be. And they, they may or may not get fleshed out. And you just have to kind of roll with it. And I have this, I didn't know how I was going to feel about Jane. I love Jane. I, I love, love Jane a lot. Yep. Icon. So in the, it's been a hot millisecond since I watched anything Tarzan related. Was Jane, what was her, was she a reporter? Why did I think that she was a reporter? Or is that just because she's like a little bit Lois Lane coded? <laughs> she said she's a little bit Lois Lane coded. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I think maybe the promo was kind of giving that. I don't know. But I don't know when we watched the trailer whether or not I thought she was a cop. They could have said it and I just might not have been paying attention. But I do understand what you mean. Because even when like you're in the bullpen um, and you're moving along, if you hadn't been paying attention to like the holsters, it kind of gives. Yeah, I was like, room. oh, she's a cop. That's not a newsroom. I was like, I, I kind of decided going into it that she was a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, she's in a police station. Okay. <laughs> I like that. It was very much like a modern spin on it because when... The, the old material and the old images you always used to see and the old like out of context clips would always have Tarzan swinging in to save Jane and this is if for the early 2000s was very like modern adaptations because obviously Jane does not the kind of person who necessarily needs rescuing of course the plot creates a few situations where she does need rescuing but the premise sets it up as though that she's ultimately going to have to be the one to rescue him because he's in a bit of a pickle here and she's going to have to be the one to help him get out of it. And no one else really believes in her other than her partner and she's going to be the one that ultimately does it. I mean, if we get that far in eight episodes. But I mean, I, I really, really do like that. It's it's very much of a modern twist and it does go back to the whole like uh, late 2000s, or early 2000s, late 90s kind of idea of the uh, strong, powerful female heroine as well, like Buffy going to, to, to save her male counterpart, like Angel, who would obviously save her from time to time as well. So I, I like that. I think it re- worked really well. Um, seeing Sarah Wayne Callies in the role, I was, again, I was shocked to know the show existed. She has been a part of such, so many big franchises. Of course, she played Sarah in Prison Break and Laurie in The Walking Dead. So I, I followed her career, but yet I still didn't know the show existed. I love her in the role. I love seeing Jane be such a badass. And yeah, I can't wait to see where it goes after this. Can we explain what it's about <laughs> to no. anybody who like didn't watch? Uh, wait, so <laughs> that just like that just clicked in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so Tarzan is set um in a universe in which he his name's John. John Clayton, his family and him got into a, I'm assuming, plane crash into the middle of the Congo. And it was assumed by his uncle that um, they had all died. Uh, but when we're brought up to speed, it turns out that like his uncle actually finds him in the Congo. I'm not sure if he was looking for him or they just happened to be on an expedition. We haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. But 
Um, but he finds him. And then he keeps him under house arrest and seems to be experimenting on him for reasons unknown. Uh, and Tarzan escapes. He meets Jane. They have a very um, I'm Tarzan, you Jane moment on a, on a rooftop. And they seem to have some type of connection. Um, and it pushes Jane to advocate for him. Um, but as this is happening, there's an overall case involving um, the Frank Flame Broiler Man, I believe. Um, Wait, what was his name? Something Broiler Man. He's, he was yeah. light and homeless. People Edward on fire. Creole. Something Very Crawler. Mm-hmm. Something Crawler, right? Yeah, he, his, his truck said Dead Crawler, and it was an anagram for Edward yeah. Creole. But his name is actually Gregory Creole. I feel like the Creoles are going to come back. Um, at some uh, again at some point but that's the case that Jane is inadvertently working on it's not her case it's her boyfriend Michael's case which he's dirty right I don't know he's up to something yeah I don't get good vibes from him Um, I liked him at first but then towards the end I was like why are we getting a little we're moving fast mm -hmm. he's taking a lot of phone calls he's got a secret and I don't trust him yeah mm. no he came across as quite shady to me obviously when you know that jane is going to have a romantic connection with tarzan we knew this man would become the third wheel on god bless his soul but like the, sh- the show kind of made him seem quite shady to me um he wasn't nice to her partner uh jane's partner um and then i believe when he was on that phone call didn't he know the man who showed up to uh, collect his brother oh, his, uh, uncle? his uncle sorry yes didn't he know um I pretty believe they had an interaction where it implied that they knew each other. So yeah, not getting good vibes from Michael. Um, he's got a good name. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Um, but that the good the good things about him end there. He's getting a, a maybe possessive is the wrong word, but he's rushing into everything and not exactly in a romantic kind of way. It's almost out of fear or desperation. I don't know, but not getting good vibes from him at all. Mm-mm. I love too that no matter how many times they try to lock up Tarzan, he's just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be swinging from these skyscrapers in a hot minute. Like they all assume he's like unintelligent or that he can't speak because may- maybe that's part of his intelligence is making them believe that about him. But like he pretends to be unconscious, which I want to know how because they gave him some drug, but he had the wherewithal to grab the id badge so he could get out of his cage or whatever yeah. um but yeah and he has like sonar powers which i'm excited to figure out because he heard the gunshot no one was shot but uh jane's gun went off when the man who f- burns people alive <laughs> got in an altercation with her and i was like how are you hearing that you're an enigma sir yeah and- I'm obsessed. Because <laughs> right? uh, the earlier in the in the episode, he had said, you know, she's like, well, how did you find me? And he's like, I hunted you. I hunt. And I was like, yeah. and that was very in character for Tarzan. I was like, Tarzan, it's New York. It's New York City, is it not? Or some type of, or is it Chicago? I don't know where we are. No, it's New York it City. Giving... Times Square. Yeah, it was given New York. Yeah. Um, he, I was like, how did you hunt her in the concrete jungle? <laughs> and then and then they were like oh, then they told us it's like oh the, the ears okay so now we get to unravel this it i did like that that they saved that that um story piece until towards the end because it makes you want to know more 
Mm-hmm. There's just like so like this is a pilot. Like when pilots really just piloted, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much good stuff going on in this. And I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, I guess, because it's from Eric Kripke. Am I saying that correctly? Supernatural, so. the boys, I think. Yep. So like, you know, it was all the gas in the tank was there. Mm-hmm. Like he knew what he was doing. Like I I never would have imagined to see like Tarzan 2003. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tarzan is in New York City, just like hopping from building to building like Spider-Man. <laughs> they did try, I have to say, they did try some unique things like that back in that generation. It's the same way the Predator, which was a creature that could honk in the jungle in Predator 2, they moved him to Los Angeles and it was all about he's in the concrete jungle. So it's it, it, in theory, it makes sense to do something like that with Tarzan. And I have to say, I agree for a pilot, it really, really worked out well because Sometimes when they do this in the modern day, you can see the formula at hand. You know, here comes this moment, here comes that moment. And with the exception of the big final battle at the end of this pilot, I didn't necessarily know how one scene was going to roll into the next. I wasn't following the formula. It was played quite well. And it was quite slow moving at the start, which is not something you often see on modern day network TV, um, which is good. It gave you time. Of course, you had the intro that just like threw you into it and was kind of hilarious and how quickly it did that. But after we, we caught up with Jane and then we found out who everyone it was, it moved at its own pace it never felt rushed i don't know whether that's down to the fact that it had 46 minutes as opposed to current tv which has 42 to 43 minutes these days i don't know but i think i believe i remember saying this about the winchesters the winchesters gave elements of nostalgia of that era but it still felt rushed in the way that a lot of modern tv shows do tarzan never felt rushed to me it took its time with the story and it played it out really well and i thought that was a very effective pilot as a result yeah how do you take your time but also accomplish so much. It's mm-hmm. confusing, but good. Very good. I, I think it's also because like, it really did feel like each scene needed to be there. Like, mm-hmm. even though we were letting things breathe, we were letting things breathe in a way that they would be important. Like either it was establishing, establishing character or it was establishing the plot or doing both at the same time. And I just feel like, in this era of TV where there's just there's just so much content, a lot of shows are not doing that. We're we're doing vibes. Or we already we're on streaming. So they're like, we're gonna give you this vibe premiere. And by episode four, we're going to finally give you some story that you can actually sink your teeth into. And you could not do that before streaming. And, and like this pilot very much, it was like not a calling card but like this was the resume right like you just you could just tell this was the script that they that the um they had put together and they had now they just filmed it like this is what the studio had said yes to because it's just that darn good like i just feel like you you were immediately invested i'm invested in everything i'm not just invested in jane in in tarzan's plot like i'm invested in like whatever his uncle is doing with him i want to know yeah. what's up with michael i want to see more of a partner sam because he's cool like he, I love him. Uh, he just he just wants to solve crimes and, and i love that like i don't know if it's a trope or a cliche where like i feel like we see this a lot in like detective or like cop shows where like the boss is like, you can't do this case. It's above your pay grade. And then the detective and his partner is like, should we do it anyway? And they do it and they like almost die, but they solve the case. And then the the captain's like, don't do it again, but good job. And like, <laughs> I love that. Like, I love that trope. I was eating it up because I was like, yeah, Sam, you better show him that you know what you're doing. No one believes in you, but I do. So does Jane. 
I love that trope cliche. It's like when it's good, it's good. And they did yes. it so well. <laughs> and you can already see they were poor too. Um, because mm. she, she's like, what, what's your deal? And he, he matter of factly says what his deal is. And she's like, okay, cool. Or they're seen in the car when she clearly knows she's not going back to her apartment. So she's like, what are we doing? He's like, let's go do some solving. <laughs> and she's like, okay, we're going. And I loved their, I think it was in like the first scene in the police station where the whole group is talking and I think it was Mike that said something weird and they share a look together and like that said a lot more than any line of dialogue could say about their rapport mm -hmm. and speaking of the script you were just talking about Sabrina and to Michael's earlier point about there not being a lot of dialogue there are scenes without there's a lot of stunt work there's a lot of uh like that scene on the roof there's a lot of there wasn't any dialogue it was just Jane like piecing things together as they haul Tarzan off into the helicopter. She clocks the the patch on the guy's jacket. She, I think at that scene, she grabs the necklace. Like there's so much happening that isn't spoken, but it's not boring because they're not speaking. It's like, I want to see what the script looks like because it's probably shorter than the average script, mm -hmm. but not a millisecond was wasted. I don't know. I was I I took note of that. I was like, no one's speaking, but I'm not bored. <laughs> <laughs> it was such an early 2000 thing. I feel like you don't see that in TV. I, I don't know whether it's just that they have to use every minute now, or whether it's just that the the dialogue has to work overtime. Because we've seen that in a lot of CW pilots, people talk and talk and talk to get the exposition across. And series finales. Oh yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, but whereas he, this this used his time sparingly, and I don't know whether it's the things like the Dark Knight, which when when fight scenes started, suddenly you had the epic music change, change cinema or whatever. Hard to believe Batman Begins came out two years after that. This shows you how how things quickly modernized. But it's like crazy. that's isn't it? Like that set the tone for Arrow and things. And like you know when Arrow has a fight scene, do 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 would be playing in the background of every single scene. And don't get me wrong, I love music, but you see that opening fight scene in Tarzan, just it looked so ambitious. It just the rain, it was just endless minutes of silence. And the only thing you could hear was just the rain falling. And then, like I said, those overly dramatic punch shines. That was a time for television. You just don't see things like that anymore. No, same with Tarzan. I think he speaks for the first time 20 minutes into the episode. Mm -hmm. And his first line of dialogue is simply high. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he says hello, it, but it's such it's used so well because it really does. I mean, they were they were establishing the romance they're going to do with Jane and Tarzan, like, and I was eating it up. Same that that palm of their hand. Move, <laughs> he does the rain in front of her. <laughs> hello, but after his uncle just said he doesn't speak. <laughs> it did take me out though when I think it was after they captured him on the rooftop, and then she goes to Greystoke. Cause she's like, I got your number and she sh shows uh, Tarzan's little tank. I don't know what to call it. They had our guy in, <laughs> in khaki cargo pants. <laughs> <laughs> and a nice sweater from the gap. That I was, was dying. I was cool. like, they turned him into an Abercrombie model. <laughs> <laughs> it was so 2003 though. And I'm like, oh, this sense of place is just so chef's kiss i love it. <laughs> it it's really good i mean the of course set design is still impeccable these days mm -hmm. in tv but i think i really enjoyed tarzan's room um because it it encapsulated the image 
that his uncle wants everyone to see. It does not look like a room for a gentleman in his 20s. Mm-hmm. very much a child's room and he said you know he looked he's he looks like an adult but you know his mind's still very much like a kid and tarzan's like that's not true actually <laughs> <laughs> don't have a child of, uh, don't have the mind of a child and you can tell like yes he looks at the world differently from everybody else he would he grew up with gorillas which we did get to see them um or apes he grew up with apes and we did get to see them my mind when you see that flashback when they discover tarzan for the first time and the ape was on the ground, I said, Kerchak, <laughs> which is not, I think like, this is not Disney Tarzan. But I was like, that's his father. What did you do? <laughs> Traumatizing viewers. I know. Um, but I just, they do, I mean, they, they really establish that there is a difference between how Tarzan sees himself and how his uncle sees him. Yeah. And I really want to know in the coming episodes, outside of the fact that his uncle's clearly experimenting on him, is there like, a trauma aspect for his uncle in which he can only see him as the what Tarzan was maybe six, eight years yeah. old. And he can only see him as the as the young nephew he lost and not the man that he found in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scene at the end when um the the fire brigade told him that probably and the police told him there's probably no chance that he's alive. And the uncle was like, he can't be dead. Uh, interesting way to play that because at the start it felt emotional, but then as it went on, it kind of felt like that villainous, oh, he can't be dead. So I, it's, he's a very hard person to read. Obviously, he's been very much set up to be the villain of the piece, but I assume there is some kind of care there for his nephew. But he wants to control him. And like you said, he sees him differently than he is. So I feel like he's going to be an interesting character going forward. I don't know what his journey looks like. I don't trust him because the, mm-hmm. the desperation to keep hit Tarzan contained, it's far too much for mm-hmm. not to be some like, not to weave a conspiracy theory about like, are you trying to test his DNA so that you can put this in more people? Like, because obviously for a human to be scaling buildings that way, I feel like it's a little bit more than I was raised by an ape in the jungle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be some sort of supernatural element to it because, or sci-fi or something. Because I mean, this is the 2003 we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't trust the uncle as much as he tries to come off as like the doting, caring uncle mm-hmm. who just doesn't want Tarzan to get hurt. To Jane, I think she also is kind of like, what? I don't. Something's off here. Um, I think there's a whole conspiracy with Greystoke. For sure, and then maybe even the police captain in on it because he reacted strangely when she Mm -hmm. showed him the picture. Don't trust anybody but Jane and Tarzan and her sister Nikki Leighton Meester, which truly giving it in that with the blonde hair. And but the first scene in the um, when they're when we first meet Nikki and she's talking to Jane, that scene, I was like, we're Leighton and Sarah Wayne Kelly's not in the same room because the editing was giving. <laughs> We're not acting together. <laughs> did you guys clock that too? I, I was just kind of like, know. why is it so awkward? <laughs> I know I noticed it kept cutting back, but I never thought of it like that. It just felt um, like Leighton was not reacting to and this is not a knock on Leighton, it's a knock on the mm-hmm. editing, because it just felt like two different scenes that they put together (laughs) 
there were quite a lot of familiar faces in that for me. I don't know if you guys thought as well. Obviously, um, Sarah Wayne Callies, um, Leighton Meester, um, the police captain, uh, Jughead's comic editor from Riverdale, uh, the editor of Pap Comics. Um, and I think the bad guy I recognized from an episode of Swamp Thing or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's always nice to see familiar faces in an old classic WB pilot, especially when they're associated with like WB or CW properties. Mm-hmm. The actor who plays the uncle, um, I don't oh, know yes, his name, course. but Mitch, I... Mitch Pelagi, I think. Okay. Well, he doesn't he, isn't he often a villain? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. Um, I think he was also in uh, Supernatural. He played the character Tom Welling played in the Winchesters, but obviously edged up. So he was he okay. played that same character in the, uh, Supernatural. Um, we the three of us had a conversation on the day we discovered Tarzan and talked about a few more WB shows. I'm pretty sure he was in all of them. Um, so yeah, he's a, a regular as far as the WB goes, and he always plays kind of like not always villainous but antagonistic kind of roles. Okay, cool. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Sir, I know you. I I remember I had this, when I saw his face, I had this vivid flashback of him with a cigarette saying something to somebody about something needing to be done and then just tossing it away like a villain. <laughs> like when they used to be able to smoke on the broadcast. <laughs> so I was like, I know you. Um, but to go back to the editing, but not necessarily editing the, the film um, music editor. The, the, the Avril Lavigne like serve at the end. I'm like, I'm rooting <laughs> Tarzan to I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When it kicked in, I gasped. As a guess, I can't. This is what we were talking about in a previous pod where because there's just so much music in television these days, you don't really get to be able to have your mind concentrate on a song that's playing in a very pivotal scene. And in the pilot, they give you two. They give you the Avril Lavigne moment at the end. Um, and then before that, there is, it's, I believe it's Go by Plum. And it's the scene in which she's, change is like, we can't possibly, I can't possibly be attracted to you. You don't know me. And he's just sniffing her hair. <laughs> they were both like low-key feral. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the way the camera is working too, because it gets uh, he's like up in the tree and he jumps down and it's kind of dark and you just have that one light coming from because they're in the park. And I was like, this is a very this is breathing. And the way that the the song drops and then crescendos as we as he's getting picked up by the police, I had to rewind the scene like five times. Uh, because <laughs> the thing that truly got me was that when the song goes, when the singer goes, let go. She let go. She's let go, lets go of him at the same time the guitar strums and the word "go" is hit. Oh. And I was like, the editing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they was like, we definitely timed that for that. And I was like, why don't we do this anymore? I know. I love that scene too. I forgot all about it until you brought it up. But it it felt more than just like romance. It felt like it humanized him because mm-hmm. it seems like everyone's just like infantilizing him. And that showed, I think, to Jane, like, oh. This is actually a man. It's not some child, not somebody to really be feared. It really humanized him, I think. Mm-hmm. And the, the chemistry sold it really well because it really played into that in the end when she was like, you're alive. And then they had the like, is, did she hug him? I think she did hug him. And then he sniffed at her again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as Tarzan does. And it was all very romantic and angsty and dramatic like television was in the early 2000s. I mean, like, 
I don't know why the show didn't last longer, because if you were tuning into the WB, that's exactly the kind of drama you wanted to say. And this ticked all of the boxes. It just it I really want to look did. up like what it aired with, because it would pair so well with like small was Smallville on at the time, Michael. It would have been, yeah. It would have been this moody, broody third season, yeah. Yeah, like the the ending music you ever so Smallville did that so much yeah. with like they would end on like a Clark and Lana moment and there would be like this big song at the end. And I was like, the recipe was there. <laughs> what went so bad? <laughs> Do you know how like frustrated I am that there's only seven more episodes and not seven All right. whole seasons? I know. Like I, I know these seven episodes are still going to serve and it's still going to be like perfect cult classic and we're going to love it. But I'm like, ugh, I can just imagine where the show after just one episode, I'm like, he would have like helped the police solve mm-hmm. crimes. Like, ugh, it would have been so good. I just know it. It's, it is frustrating though, because it's like, I know 11 year old me would have been down bad for the show if she knew it was on. And then, like, <laughs> if it was like canceled, yeah, like to have I wonder I know I would have been devastated but like I wonder like how people felt like what what exactly was wrong I mean in this day and age we did look at the numbers and the the it did drop but like these were the numbers that the CW would kill for now um mm-hmm. we were still in the millions we weren't doing too shabby so I just I wish you know that they had been able to like see it have life I do think it's the type of show though that um one season two season tops and like we weren't living in an era of television where that would have been acceptable. Um, it is now, but back then it wouldn't have been. But I just, they, it was like lightning in a bottle on that pilot. They really yeah. had something special and I just uh, wish it lived on. It, we were robbed of like Tarzan and Jane YouTube edits. Like we would have mm-hmm. been watching those after school on YouTube <laughs> when we were 14. <laughs> it just would have been amazing. I, um, I really do. I can't wait till we like launch into the rest of the episodes. I had to stop myself from watching episode two. I know. I would have gobbled them all up in one sitting. I know. It's just <laughs> good. I, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the music cues too. I want to know mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. is this going to be one of those shows where like every episode just has an iconic moment done to a song? I hope so. Thanks, guys. I don't know. It makes me want to make a playlist. Yeah, we should. Sure. No one knows the show existed. I mean, we didn't, but we're gonna. Damn it, we're gonna <laughs> bring it back to life. <laughs> we're putting the spotlight on it. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, I did want to say though, I it was giving me Gotham. <laughs> I was watching it, and I was like, it very much feels like Batman. Like it just feels yeah. very like it would have if they had done a if they had done a crossover with a dc show i would not have been surprised. birds of prey right nice. yeah same year too wasn't well the year afterwards yeah. but still yeah yeah i mean um, it could have worked it really worked <laughs> and no i agree totally sabrina the atmosphere was so gotham one of my biggest gripes with batwoman especially in its first season was that gotham never felt like gotham and that's par- partially because a lot of the in stuff was filmed in vancouver and the exterior shots were filmed in chicago to give it more of that glossy dark night look but this here felt so gotham like and it really makes me wish that we had like a batman show in the early 2000s it would have been angsty it would have been broody and there would have been random needle drops that made no sense but like it would have lived in infamy forever. And I just wish we can't, could have gotten that because you're right, the city was alive. It really, truly felt like a classic Batman kind of show. 
And the fashion would have been great too. I, Cause I was, I was liking the little moments I was seeing with the clothing. Jane's outfit for dinner was nice. She had that like sequinty top that was like deep, deep black. And we were in a lot of her, Michael was in this like leather trench. And I was like, this is definitely early 2000s. They were like, we have a small budget for the clothing, but when we're going to hit you with the fashion, we will. <laughs> they had they had Leighton in just the 2003 Teen Girl special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was Haley James Scott all the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and this was also the era of television where like, if you have... I think it didn't even matter if it was a, it was a male lead or a female lead. We need... A plucky sibling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right off the top. Just... It was so... I feel like I've never seen Leighton play this kind of role. And it's so mm-hmm. funny to imagine just four years later, she would be Blair Waldorf. Everyone <laughs> <Wild>. <laughs> <laughs> was just on the precipice of their biggest uh, role yet. But it wasn't to be with Tarzan. But no, I agree with you totally. I remember it was it Lois and Clark. Lois had a plucky sibling. So, I mean, like... That was a that was a kind of a trope. Buffy obviously later in the run. That was a trope of television back then. Roles like that aren't needed as much in TV anymore. But my goodness, did they work back then? Yeah, they did. So good. So good. I feel like though, like we should end the the review or I guess the gushing session here, um, <laughs> because I mean we could be talking forever about this pilot episode of Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the best pilots I've ever seen, and it was a hidden it was gem. Really good truly hidden like best yeah. kept secret <laughs> <laughs> and it, it felt like a mini movie without feeling rushed or constricted or anything it just felt like a 46 minute movie i'm intrigued to see if they can keep the momentum going now that that kind of like story can of worms has been opened if they can keep it going but wow they came out of the gate strong mm, sure so you guys if you haven't watched tarzan yet you should do a swift google and then you should you should watch along with us because we will be watching episode two and talking about it on the pod. Uh, but thank you for listening to our first episode for season three of the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all.